Hi guys, Joe Mendoza, real estate broker, investor, entrepreneur here in sunny San Diego. Welcome to my show. Ladies and gentlemen, we have an amazing young man on our show today, hopefully to give some of you younger listeners out there inspiration. Okay, this young man is 23 years old. He's accumulated over 100 doors, have a few more hundred under contract right now, 20, 23. 23 years old, <laughs> Mr. David Topin. Welcome to our show. Thanks, man. Thanks, Joe. I appreciate it. I'm excited to be on here. All right. Perfect. Perfect. So we're going to talk a little bit about David's story, how he got into real estate. And man, he must have started when he was like three or four years old, I'm guessing. <laughs> <laughs> but I'll let him tell his, tell his story a little bit. Tell, tell us about David. Sure. Yeah, man. Um, well, thanks again for having me on. Uh, I, I love doing these uh, podcasts. Always a good time. So I started, uh, I guess, entrepreneurial-wise, I started way back when I was 13. It's my first business. Um, got into landscaping, kind of built that up through high school, sold the business off, um, got into college, and um, I was studying uh, finance, accounting, and, you know, I, although I was always entrepreneurial, for, for whatever reason, thinking back, I, I started looking into a couple of different uh, jobs, and I ended up doing some internships in accounting, uh, finance, investment banking, um, and had some really good job offers. Uh, when I when I got out of my last internship, my junior year, um, literally the last day, I was a consultant for Deloitte, and um, I got out of it. I turned down all my job offers. I was like, I, I've been I've been wanting to go into real estate for a while. I've been listening to podcasts for like eight nine months, reading every book out there, and I just kind of fallen in love with it. And I knew that real estate was going to be uh, kind of the path that I wanted to take. So I had a couple job offers that were, you know, near a little over six figures and I turned them all down and everyone thought I was crazy. So um, for me, it was, it was just a natural choice. It was, you know, I can always go back and get a job if I want to, but you know, you don't, you don't, you don't always have the opportunity to go out when you don't have a lot of, uh, you know, I don't have a family yet. I don't have all these living extra living expenses. I was still living at home with my parents. So, um, yeah, I jumped right in, started wholesaling, flipping. A lot of people start with single family and that's real cool. So that's what I did for four, five, six months. Did a lot of wholesales um, and then jumped right into multifamily beginning of 2017. Uh, so when I started, I ended up, I think I got under contract on 24 units really quickly and closed on those uh, in March of 2017. And then a couple months later, did a hundred unit deal and commercial deal after that now i'm working on 160 units in houston that's fantastic so, now are you using your money or you're syndicating how are you buying all these properties no man that's the crazy part a lot of people think you need money to start and um i, I started with nothing i had i'd saved up maybe like 15 grand for my internships just so i could live because you know you don't you don't make a lot of money when you start and uh, uh for me you know that was kind of it didn't have any money i didn't have you know family that gave me millions of dollars or anything, you know? So for me, it was just uh, it's a lot of hustle. Got it. Got it. So in college, you had like a 4.5 or one of these genius kids that dude, not even close, man. <laughs> I was a C and D student. Really? <laughs> I, yeah. School, school is not my strength. Never was. Um, I, I barely last two years cause I was working full time. I was working like 80 hours a week, just trying to build my business. And uh, I barely went to class. <laughs> I was like half and half. 
I went taking night classes, online classes, just trying to scrape by so I can get my degree and finish up. But at the same time, I was my business was priority. Okay, but you did finish. You got a four-year degree. I did. Yeah, you have a bachelor's in business administration. Perfect. Perfect. Yeah. Well, that's interesting, folks. So <laughs> please, you know, not to prejudge or anything like that, listeners, because sometimes you think it's going to be the A students, the B students, the straight mm -hmm. A students going to kill it. But check this mm -hmm. out. No knock on you, David, because I, yeah. I made it out of San Diego State myself, right? <laughs> Good job, man. Good job. That's awesome. Thanks. Yeah. Yeah. yeah uh, it doesn't, I mean, I don't think there's, there's a direct correlation between how well you do in school and uh, you know, the kind of success you can achieve thereafter. I think it's, I think it's really based on what type of work you're willing to put in, how hard you're willing to network and, and the kind of people you're willing to surround yourself with, you know? So, absolutely. I totally, totally agree with that. Now the discipline, the work ethic comes right along with that. Now what inspired you to like, Hey, this is real estate. This is my destiny. Yeah, I guess I, I've just always had some really big financial goals. Um, I really want to, I want to help a lot of people. I want to be able to give back. I'm from Detroit. One of my goals is to kind of help rebuild the city of Detroit one day. Um, so, I, you know, I've always had these big goals and I knew that I wasn't going to get there working for someone else. Um, it was going to take building a business of my own. And, and I just loved real estate. I mean, I think a lot of people out there, you know, nowadays it's kind of a really sexy, sexy thing to get into and, and everyone's talking about it. And, uh, you know, it's just, it's a way that anyone can create wealth. You know, you don't have to be anything special. I'm, I'm kind of like proof of that. You know, you don't have to be a genius or you just work hard and do the right actions and, and it'll come. Awesome, David. Awesome, David. Now let, let's go back when you were starting to make this transition from wholesale single family to multifamily, what kind of roadblocks were kind of getting in your way? Sure. Um, well, I guess not being educated, first of all. So I didn't really know anything about multifamily. I had looked at a couple deals and, and ran some numbers on them. But, um, you know, I, I, I had never, I never had a rental property before. So I'd never had a single family rental or anything. I never managed it. Um, I didn't know how to get financing. Financing was like, I didn't know what an agency loan was or any of that. You know, my first deals, I used a, a local bank. Um, and they're just, I think education until you do it, it's hard to know, but there's a lot of ways where you can really prepare yourself, um, listening to podcasts, reading books that, that can help educate you beforehand. I didn't do much of that. I just kind of dove in. Very nice. Very nice. Yeah. What were some of the biggest mistakes maybe, uh, in the oh, beginning? <laughs> it's quite a few of them. Um, okay. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, I think, I think everyone's going to make mistakes on their first of course. couple of deals. Right. So, um, I definitely, uh, did not know how to raise capital correctly when I first started. Uh, one of the biggest mistakes I made, even up until I did that, my, my first, uh, hundred unit deal, um, I was sending out like a Dropbox link with all due diligence items and documents to investors. I didn't even think like, maybe I should put a marketing packet together where it's really easy for them to see some pictures and financials. I didn't even do that. And it, and it made it very difficult for me, but you know, uh, we pushed through it. Um, another thing is I didn't, I didn't understand, um, one, I bought two 12 units. That was my first two deals. And one of them had a flat roof, which was in really bad condition. Um, I had some inspections done, but you know, they came back saying like, Oh, you still got five to seven years left and we get into it. And then there's just leaks all the time and ton of a ton more maintenance than we anticipated. So, um, 
is a 60s build uh, garden style 12 unit with the flat roof and the plumbing is plumbing is historically not great in 60s build uh, 60s construction as well and further back so you know something like that I didn't really anticipate and we had a lot higher maintenance costs than than I would have liked um, we still ended up getting good returns to our investors I actually sold those last month but uh, so that was that was one mistake what else I didn't raise enough capital I should have raised more more uh, capex money um, I underestimated how much work was going to need to be done on the property so it's always good to raise extra because you can, you can give it back but you don't want to go ask for more right you know right absolutely so those are a couple a couple things so in the beginning when you actually tied up the property did you even have money to tie up the property no so I had a partner who had money for an EM, for EMD and who was able to help me sign on the loan um, so then, you know, I could run it through the whole process, but, uh, yeah. So if you're, or you're in that same position, you don't have the capital to do it. Um, like right now I'm looking at larger projects. I don't have, you know, $200,000 to put as an earnest money deposit. Um, I have partners that are willing to do that for the right, the right deal and help sponsor loans. So I guess it's all about who you surround yourself with. Right, 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 right. And going back to raising capital, were you talking to friends, family, uncle and aunts? Who were you talking to in the beginning? Yeah, started all uh, friends and network. Um, okay. I don't think I had any family invest until my third deal. Uh, but you know, I haven't, I haven't really received any substantial investment from family. It's mostly been friends, uh, people that I've networked with. I meet a lot of people at events that I go to, meetups, stuff like that, where you know, I just kind of explain what I do and, and I, I get people on my list. And I've got a list of 250 plus guys and girls that I know uh, uh, are interested in investing in these type of deals. And that's kind of, that's my investor base now. Got it. Got it. So do you spend yeah. more time fundraising or looking for deals now? Um, right now. So there's a lot of money out there and um, I've actually even started working more with institutional uh, capital sources. So stuff like a realty mogul or uh, equity groups, private equity groups, hedge funds um, for bigger deals. But um, I spend probably 80% of my time looking for deals and analyzing them, putting in offers and the other 20% raising capital because there's a lot of money out there. There aren't a lot of deals, a lot of good deals at least. Right, right, right. So 80% of your time analyzing deals, is that what you said? Yeah, looking for communicating with brokers. Um, you know, I, I cold call owners as well. I put in some nice. cold calls uh, and then, um, yeah, most of the time is spent doing that and then analyzing deals. I probably put in, I probably put in at least four to five offers a week. Four to five offers a week. Great. How yeah, big is your team yeah. right now? Are they also putting offers? Um, yeah. So I have myself and then I have a guy that helps me analyze deals. Um, I have everything. Everyone else is third party right now. I need to hire an assistant soon, but, um, but yeah, it's really just, it's mainly me. And then I have, you know, third party accountants, attorneys, you really don't need a big, a big operating team to do it. Do you have a, a BA or a team outside of the U.S. kind of doing cold calls or mailers or any kind of social media marketing, anything like that? No, nothing right now. I probably should, but no, wow. I don't. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. It's good. mostly me. Oh, wow. That's interesting. Yeah. <laughs> good, 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 good. So right now, what are you seeing in the marketplace? What kind of opportunities or non-opportunities? What's going on? Yeah. So I guess anyone that's looking into multifamily right now understands it's a hot market. Everything, a lot of stuff is really overpriced. So 
I'm having to look at over a hundred deals to find one that really makes sense. Um, and, and most of the good deals right now are coming with, uh, coming from brokers that I, or, um, people I have good relationships with have strong relationships with a broker that is sending us off market deals. Um, you know, deals where they're, they're, you know, they're tight with a seller. Uh, they know a, a seller and operator well, and the seller doesn't really want to bring it to market, uh, but they want to sell it. They don't want to deal with all the hassle, the walkthroughs and everything. So they go to a broker and they say, Hey, shop this to a couple of your strongest buyers. And, um, you know, from there I'll, I'll get fed some deals. And, um, that's kind of the, the best source right now. Other than that, you know, there's a lot of scenarios where you're going uh, into best and final offer scenarios. And, you know, there's uh, like a call for offers where they want everyone to put in their offers by a certain date. And then, then they come back to you and do uh, what's called a best and final. And they say, hey, everybody, everybody put in, they go back to me, the five, six strongest buyers and everybody put in your best offer now. And, and then we're going to pick somebody. So um, tough. It's tough to win those scenarios. You normally have to kind of have an inside track with the seller or broker. Um, I, I did one of those recently in Indianapolis. I was, I went over asking, I went $200,000, uh, earnest money deposit hard from like day 10, you know, 250,000 hard from day 10 closed within 60 days. Uh, showed them a bunch of liquidity. Uh, and, and you know, they still, uh, went with somebody else. So wow. it happened. It happens. <laughs> <laughs> All right, guys. Hey, we're going to take a quick break and a word from our sponsor. I hope you're getting some serious inspiration, guys. All right, so quick break and we'll be right back. We're going to take a quick break, guys, and we're going to hear a word from our sponsor. So hang on just a second. We'll be right back. This show brought to you by Akshay Patel, top mortgage planner over at Easy Fundings Home Loans, NMLS ID 1492486. Need a home loan or looking to refinance? Call them at 858-207-8436. Again, 858-207-8436. CatCam Real Estate, California broker, DRE 0184260606. Buying, selling, or investing? Call them at 877 seven nine four five two two seven again eight seven 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 nine four five two two seven skip cook over at bank of america nmls id one three six nine thousand he's a top senior lending officer for north county san diego looking for a home loan or refinancing call him at seven six zero four eight one eight zero zero nine 760-481-8009. Pat Live, looking for 24-7 live answering service. That's also US-based, virtual assistance, message taking, appointment scheduling. Call them at 1-800-891-2640. Once again, 1-800-891-2640. McCormick National Holdings, looking for a hassle-free sale? Pay no commissions? They specialize in acquisitions, both commercial and residential real estate. Call them at 760-624-8276. Once again, 760-624-8276. 
Cole Realty Resources. Want unlimited seller leads? Download list for your open house invitations? Doing just listed sold campaigns? Or Facebook target audiences? Integrate all your calls via Sly Broadcast. Mention Joe Mendoza for a huge discount. Call them at 1-800-800-3271. Again, 1-800-800-3271. Or your success at coleinformation.com. And now, back to the show. Hey guys, we're back with David Tupin here. Young man, 23 years old, over 100 units accumulated, working on his next block of 100, so he's going to take him over 200 units at 23 years old. Ladies and gentlemen, we're back with David. David, you back on there? Thanks, man. Yep, I'm here. All right, cool, 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 cool. So I wanted to share a case study, maybe a story about one of these properties that you've accumulated take it from maybe A to Z and, and shed us some real light on what goes on in a transaction. Sure, absolutely. So uh, I guess we talked about this was a, a 96 unit that I bought. I closed on in um, September of 2017. And uh, the way this one went from kind of start to finish was um, we'd sent out a round of mailers to a bunch of properties in uh, Michigan. This is in kind of the, the suburbs in Detroit. Um, uh, not in the city of Detroit. I don't invest in the hood. Uh, it's in kind of like a B area. And um, we sat on a mailer. The guy that owned this property, uh, he actually owns over a billion dollars in real estate. And he's a really big player in Michigan here. Um, he owns uh, tons of senior living developments he's doing right now. Um, and, and, and he just, he called us, uh, he called me from this mailer we sent out. And just it's basically said, mailer. Yeah, just basically said, I want to, I'm looking to buy property. I noticed that you own this this uh this site and I'm, I'm interested in buying it so it was good timing he was looking to sell and he he had showed it to a couple of his buddies first and they weren't interested and we ended up um settling on a price of about forty four thousand per unit and um i think the purchase price was 4.2 million and we uh, get under contract i i had at this point i had no idea still what like an agency loan was freddie mac fannie mae um, we ended up doing a Freddie Mac small balance loan through Hunt, uh, but but I, I had no clue. So we got under contract and it's like a mad race. All right. So we've got this list of investors, um, which hasn't really been that well developed yet. Uh, we start like, going crazy, kind of cold calling, trying to raise capital. Friends. How much was the raise on that one? Uh, 1.7 million total. Okay. Yeah. So um, 1.7 and and we had a 60 day due diligence and a 60 day close, which nowadays is really hard to get. I don't, I'm not sure why he, he gave us that time frame as well. Um, there are a couple of different situations and, and this will kind of apply to the story later on. There are a couple of different situations where um, I just built a really good relationship with the seller. Um, he only get, he didn't give us any financials. He only gave us a rent roll and he gave us uh, like what they paid for insurance and I think their utility costs, but that was it. He didn't, the taxes we could look up online, everything else I, I, I had to kind of make assumptions for, uh, which I wouldn't suggest doing, but I felt comfortable enough at the price to do it, uh, which it turned out to be, you know, a good deal in the end. Um, but, but at one point I was talking to his team and asking for 
some other information. Our lender needed some kind of financials and, and I asked them for some sort of, you know, breakdown of costs. And he ended up like firing an email at me, like, you know, I told you not to, not to request financials. You know, I don't, I wasn't trying to go around his back or anything, but he said something like that. I, I called him up immediately and I was like, Hey, I apologize. Like, you know, I wasn't trying to do that. Uh, you know, let me know if there's any issues we can, we can kind of figure this out with the lender and get it taken care of. So I think after that, uh, he really liked me, liked how I worked. Uh, you know, I, I'd like to work with a lot of integrity and I'm super honest. I'm an open book with people. So it came down to the line where our money was about to go hard and we had 1.5 million like committed from investors. And we had, uh, I think five or $600,000 drop out at the last minute. There were people that I think maybe didn't have the money in the first place. We hadn't worked with them before, obviously. And they were like, yeah, we're in, but they pulled out at the last minute. So now you're about 700 short. Now we're about 700 short. I'm about to go crazy because we have a hundred thousand dollars. That's about to become non-refundable in like two days. So I called the guy yeah. up. I'm like, I, I didn't, I didn't want to make up any story. I just told him, I was like, Hey man, I, you know, here's, here's the situation. I had a lot of investors pull out. I understand what's going on. Like, you know, if you're willing to work with us, I'd appreciate like another 30 days to be able to get my stuff together and raise the capital. So um, just because we had a good relationship at that point, he was willing to work with me and he wow. gave us an extension. Um, we ended up raising the rest of the money. And, um, you know, due diligence, I guess some learning experiences for me, uh, was probably should have walked through with more contractors prior to closing, um, and gotten like a full rehab budget and then had a GC oversee all the work. I ended up GCing the whole project, which wow. I'd never done before. It's a $500,000 renovation. Um, luckily we ended up coming in under budget overall, but, uh, um, I definitely would have a GC in the future do it. That's a little more experience. <laughs> um, well, you pulled it off. I pulled it off. It went well. Uh, it took longer than expected, though. It probably, it probably took um, six to seven months when it should have taken four months, four okay. to five months. Um, but we got it done. We're still doing unit renovations now. Um, so I guess the numbers on this one, we bought it for 44 unit. We're all in at... I think 5 million. So just about 50,000 the door. Okay. Uh, as is, it's probably worth 52 to 55 a door when we bought it. And we're bringing the NOI up to the point where, um, and, and that's the net operating income for anyone who's not, not in commercial, I guess uh, in commercial real estate, the value is determined by your net operating income, which is just your income minus operating expenses. And uh, based on a, what's called a cap rate. So, in this market right now, I think we'd probably be worth about seven, six point five to seven million. Very nice. We're all in at five, so good that was a good deal, great value add. Yeah. How, how long was the turn on that one? So uh, the investment term. Turn, turn from acquisition to where you are today with that kind of uh, after repaired value or after uh, value add play. How long was it A to Z? Yeah, it's been about a year, a little over a year. We bought it last September. It's November of 2018 now, so a um, little nice. over a year. Um, yeah, it'll probably take another year of seasoning to really like hold that value of seven million. But um, but yeah, we're getting we're getting the rents up pretty significantly, and it's been a good deal overall. But after a year, you increase the value over a million. Exactly. Very yeah. nice. Very yeah. nice. Good job. Yeah. Good job. Yeah. I'm going to rewind a little bit. How sure. many mailers did you send out? Oh man, we, we were sending probably 500 at a time every month. Okay. Yeah. Okay. We got a list off of CoStar. 
which is a nice. commercial real estate software. Okay. And um, basically pulled the list of all properties or like 80 to 200 units in Mich uh, Metro Detroit, Michigan. And we would send mailers out to all the, all the owners. Now, was it handwritten envelopes or was it pre-printed or? Uh, pre-printed. Yeah. Okay. Everything was pre-printed. Not handwritten envelopes. Mm -mm. Oh, hand, uh, the envelopes. No, I, I think we stamped a sticker them, you know, something like That's that. It. Yeah. Yeah. Nice. I mean, it worked. So it's hard. After that, I hadn't had any luck with mailers. Um, okay. since, and I don't, I don't do them right now. I'm really focusing on broker relationships, but, um, it worked. So I can't, you know, I can never say it, it, it doesn't work. So if anyone's interested in, in sending mailers, I would, I would suggest it. You know, hey, you scored a home run off of this one. It's all timing. Yeah. <laughs> and that's timing. awesome. And, and listeners, guys, communication is key. So mm -hmm. David was able to get a 30 day extension just because he built up a really, really great relationship. He was very, very honest. And you got yourself an extra 30 days, right? Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Save good me. for you. <laughs> good for you. Yep. Good for you. And now I think I saw on your website, you're investing in multiple states. Yes. So right now, um, so I'm out of Michigan. Everything I own is in Michigan, uh, multifamily and commercial property. And then um, I'm under contract on 160 units in Houston, Texas. And then I'm looking in Indianapolis, Columbus, Ohio, Atlanta, Charlotte, North Carolina, a couple different spots. All, all good how, are you, how are you picking your states or your cities? Yeah. Yeah. I like to see good population growth, job growth. I want to see people coming into the city, not leaving out. Uh, and I think that's just good for, for setting yourself up to get in, in a long-term uh, appreciation on a property. Um, you want to make sure that you're investing in the right areas in those cities as well. So definitely sit down or, or have a conversation with a broker, pull up Google Maps and, and have them kind of run you through the city. Maybe they could say, well, the east side of the city, once you get out of downtown is a little rougher, but you know, the north side suburbs are, are more A areas and, and to the west, you got some nice B areas. So you, you just want to start getting the lay of the land when you're looking in a city that you've never been to before um, and really understanding because in any market, I know in Michigan, for example, if anyone listening has seen the movie Eight Mile with Eminem. I was going to bring that up. <laughs> yeah, Eight Mile is the dividing line where Detroit comes out and that's where Detroit ends and it starts hitting uh, suburban cities. And you could be at nine and 10 mile and have really nice, you know, suburban, safe uh, neighborhoods, cool, some cool downtown areas. You could be just below eight mile and it's a train wreck. So you just, you want to be careful. Uh, a mile in the wrong direction can, can put you, put you in a bad place. No doubt. No doubt. So these cities outside of where you live, how long are you hanging out, you know, uh, scoping these areas and maybe doing the, the rehab. Yeah. Um, well, I get you, you, the rehab on the property. Like, are you the boots on the ground or do you have a team? Okay. Yeah. So I'll connect any, any new market that I go into. Um, first thing is I'm going to connect with as many brokers as I can, commercial brokers. And then I want to connect with uh, property management companies because they can tell you the good areas, the bad heck, they might even have deals that they know from, uh, from sellers, you know, or people that they manage property for that are looking to sell. So, um, always connect with them. Uh, those will kind of be my boots on the ground unless I have a partner in that market that, you know, I'm working with. So um, I try to pick markets where I know uh, I have people that will sponsor deals. I, I have, I still have to on every deal have somebody come in and sign on a loan for me. 
and uh, be able to show that net worth and liquidity to get the loan. Um, I'm not able to do that on my own. So that's part of my team. I have probably five to seven different people that are really strong uh, financially and can sign on large loans and have experience in multifamily. So, you know, these are people that own maybe 1,000, 2,000, 3,000 units. Are you just leveraging their credit or are you just also leveraging their, um, their assets? It's their assets. It's their net worth and liquidity. So to, okay. to get a commercial multifamily loan, um, what banks like to see is a net worth of the loan amount and liquidity of 10% of the loan amount. Um, that's typically the guideline that they give you. So, um, you know, in Houston, we're getting a $7.7 million loan. And, um, you know, so the person that is signing on the loan for me has to have a net worth of at least, you know, 8 million and liquidity of, of near a million dollars. So David, thanks for clarifying that because I know, like I mentioned earlier, my listeners, this is a whole new language for them. They're talking family, hard money. Okay. I'm going to get the bridge loan and this and that. And I mean, there's so much other variables, ladies and gentlemen, sure. in commercial, in apartments, you got to uh-huh. really know what you're doing and who to partner up with, right? hundred percent. Yeah. Yeah. I would suggest, and I, I try to, I guess I try to break down as much as I can um, any of these specific terms, but definitely do your research and get, get maybe a book or two, um, listen to some multifamily podcasts and, and really educate yourself, go to some events. Um, that's the best way to really get into it. If you're trying to learn. Which are some of your favorite books? Oh man, I know, um, I'm pretty sure Joe Fairless just came out with a book about syndicating. I didn't read it yet, but I know he's a good guy and I've heard, uh, heard about him. Rod Cleef has a book on, um, Rod Cleef does a podcast as well, multifamily podcast, and he has a book on apartment investing. Um, that's a great book. Let's see, a couple different ones. Yeah, and, uh, I'll check out Rod, Rod Cleef, Joe Fairless. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely. Yeah. I know Rod very, very well. He's a great friend of mine, and he was actually yeah. on our podcast. So. How oh, was he? Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Great yeah good. 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 So, any last words for our listeners? Uh, how can they reach you? Yeah. I mean, I guess last words. I just um, I like thinking big. Um, I, I like connecting with people that think really big, and I think that's that's a good way to grow. Expand your mind. Expand your network. Expand the people you hang out uh, around. And if you, if you want to 10x what you're doing, as Grant Cardone says, I think you first step is just 10x in your mind and your network. So um, that's the best way to get into it. Um, best way to contact me, uh, you can head to my website at uh, www.obsidiancapitalco.com. Obsidian is O-B-S-I-D-I-A-N, capitalco.com. And then my uh, email address is david at obsidiancapitalco.com. Awesome, David. Well, thank you so much for your encouragement. All the other younger listeners about your age, holy smoke. Yes, <laughs> I remember when I was about that age myself, and he thinks big. And, and one thing that I really liked about David, too, he's taken massive action. Mm-hmm. Nothing's stopping him. When I first met him at one of these seminars, I was very, very inspired. So thank you so much again, David, for your Absolutely, man. You're a good guy. I appreciate it a lot, and thanks for having me on the show. All right, listeners, check it out. Rewind this. Play it again. Take plenty of notes. He dropped a lot of very, very valuable information. Thanks again, David. Cool. Thanks, man. Our company is not responsible for the success or failure of your business decisions relating to any information presented by our company or our company programs, products, and or services. 